Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Sally A. from South Jersey and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, March 8, 2016. Today we are reading from the AA Big Book and we will begin reading on page 42, the first paragraph. Two of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see me. We will read through two paragraphs and we will focus our attention on the second paragraph. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Charlie G, 12 Traditions, Nadia B, and our readers of the text will be Lisa H and Devorah S, and we'll see what happens next. The reference number for Monday, February 29, 2016. Oh my goodness, what's that doing there? <laughs> the reference number for uh, Monday, March 7th, is 8515. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. Hmm. Neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations, OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Before I... Go forward and ask Charlie G to begin reading. Someone is unmuted. Claire, do you want to clear the line? Okay. I will now ask Charlie G to read the 12 steps. Charlie? Star one to unmute yourself again, Charlie. Hi. Sorry, Sally. Thank you so much for your service. Good morning, friends. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater named Charlie. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, 
continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Can't hear you, Sally. Sorry about that. I couldn't get back there. I'm sorry about that. Uh, thank you, Charlie. And I will now ask Nadia B. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Nadia B., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Connecticut. The 12 traditions of overeaters anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups, or away as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group either never endorsed finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, leads uh, problems of money, property, and prestige, divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought to never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought to never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Nadia. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute 
Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we will resume our study of the AA Big Book. We will begin reading on page 42, the first paragraph where it says, two of the members of AA came to see me. We'll read two paragraphs and we we will focus our sharing on the second paragraph. And I will ask Lisa to begin reading. Good morning, Sally. Um, Good morning, visionaries. This is Lisa H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Two of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see me. They grinned, which I did not like so much, and then asked me if I thought myself an alcoholic and if I were really licked this time. I had to concede both propositions. They piled on me heaps of evidence to the effect that an alcoholic that, that an alcoholic mentality, such as I had exhibited in Washington, was a hopeless condition. They cited cases out of their own experience by the dozens. This process snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself. Then they outlined the spiritual answer and program of action, which a hundred of them had followed successfully. Though I had been only a nominal churchman, Their proposals were not intellectually hard to swallow, but the program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. It meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out of the window. That was not easy. But the moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved, as in fact it proved to be. Uh, Thank you again for letting me be of service this morning. This is Lisa Recovered in Memphis. Um, To me, this paragraph um, is the crux of the program, um, that I had the spiritual part of it. Um, I had to find a power outside of myself that was not me Um, because I, I don't have the ability, I don't have the ability to change myself. Um, and to me, um, once I was able to um, find this power outside myself and start into the program of action, I knew that the change was not coming from myself. I knew that the change was coming from um, from my higher power. And um, this paragraph is so full, but the one of the lifelong conceptions um, that I had to um, uh, that I had to get rid of, let go of, was that I could do it myself. Um, that was probably one of the biggest things was um, learning that I couldn't do this myself. I needed a higher power, and I needed this fellowship. Um, and the very last sentence um, talks about the moment when um, he made up his mind to to go through this process and. Um, you know, I after I had tried everything else um, and nothing worked, and of course I would do the same same thing over and over again, but invariably I ended up back in the food. Um, but somehow, when I got into OA and and then also started listening to A Vision for You, and 
um, made the decision to start this process to to turn my life and will over and start working the steps, um, it was as if the obsession with the food was removed. Um, and but I can remember praying every day, God, just for today, show me what I can do just for today, because invariably, if I didn't stay connected with that higher power and and work these steps, I was going to be back in the food. So um, this is such rich stuff, and um, it speaks to me so much today um, about how powerful this program is. Um, Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for sharing. Okay, who else would like to share on this this, uh, Charles H. G from Boston. Katie from Boston. Kim G. Okay, because you're just coming in as mud. Let me just say who I heard. Charles, I heard Katie, I heard Kim, I heard Larry. Who else? G. Kate, want to try that one more time? Anita J. Anita J. I heard you. I heard you before, Anita. I thought it was you. I need a J. Okay, I've got Charles. Tina S. Tina S. Charles, Katie, Kim, Larry, Anita J, Nessa R, Tina S. Is there someone else? No? Okay, let's go with that. Charles, Charles, take it away. Katie, you're up next. Katie G. Thank you, Sally A, for your service, man. You're really a phenomenal uh Recovered individual. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater, just for today. Good morning. How y'all doing on this good Tuesday? Um, so this thing is power-packed, rich, and I just want to swoop down where it says, but the moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, um, the moment anybody makes up their mind, nobody can't stop you. Nobody can't stop you, negatively or positively. If I say, I ain't doing this, I don't care what you say, Bill W., come back and speak, no, I don't care. I'm not going to do it. But the moment I make up my mind to go through this process, nothing can stop me. And, I, and, I, and you know, of course, the two fellows, hopefully are those the two co-founders that came up and talked to this gentleman, they described the, the, the program of action. And 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 that that's what we do. So you know, it just this just reminds me um, of why we go through the doc's opinion. I I I could really see where it says um, uh, where Doctor Silkworth is saying, of course, an alcoholic ought to be free from his physical uh, obsession or physical craving. That's like saying, yeah, even Superman got to be free from his kryptonite, right? So. For me, what I get out of this is this ain't a program of talking. This is a program of action. Like, you know, like sometimes, you know, people w- want to talk like my, you know, my sponsor. When I call my sponsor, he's like, yo, you got any fears? You want to go over? You got any resentments? Yeah, we- we're good friends, but this is a relationship in regards to the program of action. Like, you know, my sometimes sponsors call me, hey, I want to, no, right about it in the fourth step. Right, and take it through to all the columns, and that's how we get better, one day at a time, right? So, yeah, the moment I made up my mind to go through with this process, it's on and popping. Nothing can stop you. 
nothing can stop you. Because if God is for you, nobody, whoever's against you, don't even matter. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Charles. And Katie G., you're up, and Kim G., you'll be up next. Perfect. Sally, can you hear me? I sure can. Awesome. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G., recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic, and I'm so grateful to be reading this. Um, I was talking with this Fonzie about this this morning, that um, all I knew was that Katie G., the manager of my life, failed. I mean, that's the most important thing that I be convinced of. And not just when I'm, you know, at step one, snot nose, messy crying because I'm coming out of the food or anorexia or bulimia, right? The most important thing that I know every day is that I don't know. And I got such freedom and I get such freedom when I don't have to be the I know guy. I will never forget, you know, um, about a year ago, not nose messy crying on the phone with my sponsor and saying, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. I'd been exercising addictively. I was missing work. I was so powerless. I was so in bondage to self. And for me, the freedom of saying, I don't know. KDG doesn't know. I can't make, I can't make this change anymore. I can't even tell you. It was life-changing, and what it inspired me to do is to go through this process, which is not fun. It's not fun. No one likes the leveling of the, our pride and all of the um, stuff that we have to admit and whatever. But you know what? I like it a lot better than I like eating. I like it a lot better than I like anything that I've ever known. And so the most important thing is that I know is that I don't know, right? And that's important to me now. Like, guys, I'm recovered for today. But, like, the most important thing is that every day I say, okay, God, what's up for today? And, like, my selfishness comes in. I'm like a toilet, right? Like, I flush all the character defects out using my 10, using my 11, praying to God. And then I slowly fill up every day. And what do I need to do? Ego reduction and depth. Again, get back to death of self for successful living. KDG, I am a powerless food addict, compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. My way of working doesn't work. Okay, so if my way of living doesn't work, God, show me today. Demonstrate to me. I may think that I know what this wedding should look like. I may think that I know what my schedule at work should look like, what my bank account should look like, what my fiancé should look like, and what all of you on the Vision for You meeting should look like. But God, if I continue on that way, we both know that I'm going to end up not nose messy crying face down in the food because eating will be a step up from my thinking. So I am here in Boston doing it with you guys today saying, KDG, I don't know. I'm stepping out of management. The most important thing is that I don't know. I surrender and I continue with this work one day at a time, no matter what. And with that, I pass. Thanks, KDG. And Kim G, you're up. Larry, you're on deck. Kim G. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G and I'm a recovery compulsive overeater from South Jersey. It meant it would, I'm sorry, um, but the program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. You know, I mean, I think that's how most of us feel when we come in and we're explaining this plan of action, but I think it's important. I have to look at how drastic is my disease? How much is that I think that I want the freedom to do what I want, when I want, eat how much I want, and however I want? Well, how drastic was my disease? 
you know, for me personally, I was 23 years old, diagnosed morbidly obese, and was being threatened to put on high blood pressure medication. I'm living in my parents' house in my mid-20s, and I can't walk up and down the stairs to do laundry without having to stop because I'm short of breath. You know, I'm in college, and while my friends are at the bars hanging out on Saturday night, I'm going down fast food row, hitting five different fast food restaurants, ordering food for an imaginary boyfriend, and binging in the parking lot. I never went to spring break in college because I was too fat, and I could never go anywhere where kids were going to be wearing bathing suits. You know, when I had to get a binge, I didn't want anyone to know exactly how much I was eating, so I would have to go to four or five convenience stores and grocery stores to get my stash. You know, I would be binging on pizza, and I knew I had to stop, so I got to the point where I was putting Ajax on my pizza and throwing it in the trash so I wouldn't eat it and getting up 2 o'clock in the morning and trying to rub the Ajax off, and with tears rolling down my eyes, I'm still eating the gosh darn pizza. You know, I'm going into rooms and panicking because I can no longer sit in seats that have armrests on them because I'm going to be embarrassed because I'm going to get up and I'm going to take the seat with me. When I get into my bulimic stage, I'm running 10 miles on a Saturday morning and then I can't walk the rest of the weekend because my hips are hurting me so bad. You know, I'm going to family events. I'm not hanging out with the family. What I'm doing is putting food in my pockets and eating in the bathroom by myself. You know, we talk about, well, you know, we don't hurt other people and, you know, alcoholics and other people spend money because we don't think we spend so much money on food. What about all the money we spend on clothes? I had a closet that had size 4 to 20 most of my life. What about all the medicines we're on for blood pressure and diabetes? What about the knee replacements, the hip replacements, the bariatric surgery? All that money that's taken away from the family. I personally lived with my parents until I was almost 30 because I couldn't afford rent and to participate in my disease. So really, when we look at these drastic proposals of the steps, how drastic really is it? Yes, my, my recovery requires a lot. But let me tell you, I can do more in 24 hours in my recovery than I could do in five days in my disease. Today, I choose the drastic nature of the requirements of this 12-step program more than anything that the, the disease required to me for the first 40 years of my life. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Kim. And Larry, you're up. And Anita J., you're on deck. Hey, Sally. Good morning. Thanks for your service. Larry K., recovered uh, compulsive overeater. Um, you know, what they're telling Fred is pretty simple. What is the problem? What is the solution to that problem? And how do we bring that solution to light? You know, and because there, there's been an incredible watering down of our message over the last uh, 20, 30 or more years, um, you know, there's leaked into our, our meeting rooms a lot of misinformation around these three concepts, the problem, the solution, and how do you, how do you bring that solution to light? And that erroneous misinformation, I mean, considering that we're, we're often talking about the difference between life and death here, that, you know, that more than serves to be just a detriment to you and me. It may serve to assist in killing us. In other words, it's, it's deadly information. And therefore, it's pretty uh, integral that we understand what the truth is. What, what are the facts, you know? What is the program of action and, and what isn't the program? And I want to be clear when I say that what the, when I'm talking about the facts, I'm not talking about my opinion. Yeah, here's the thing about opinions in the rooms of OA. Just that, they're opinions. You know, not only that, they're opinions of addicts. 
And I'm not suggesting addicts don't have decent opinions. I, I have lots of good opinions. I got some that are probably a bit, a bit crazy. I'm glad to tell you about them offline. I'm happy to share them with you. But what I can guarantee you is my opinions will not get you well. Nobody's opinions are going to get you well. And quite frankly, the opinions of, of compulsive overeaters are not hard to come by. You know, they're not hard to come by. Uh, you, and, and you can go to the nearest bakery for that. But what we have here to offer and what they offered Fred was facts from the big book born out of the experiences of recovered alcoholics in whom the problem was solved. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want opinions framed as fact from people in whom the problem has not been solved. I, I'll, I'll, I'd love to hear their opinions because there's a lot of great people, well-intentioned people in these rooms. And quite frankly, if Fred got the opinions of, of, of two gentlemen in whom the problem had not been solved, uh, you wouldn't have been hearing about Fred. We wouldn't be talking about Fred this morning. He'd probably be dead. So, you know, for me, uh, what's beautiful about this is, is that it talks about it's, he's getting facts from people in whom the problem had been solved. That's what's going to get you well. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Did you call on me, Sally? Yes, Anita J. You're up. Oh, okay. That's all right. You'll be next. I was um, unmuting. This is Anita J. out west of Boston. We covered. Grateful to be alive, and thank you, Sally, for your service and your shares. Um, I often think about what was different when I turned on uh, Vision for You um, in January of 2014. Why this time did it work? And it's because of this. Looking backwards, I see. This sentence, it meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out of the window. Now, I didn't say, Anita, you've got to let go of what you think. But inside, that is exactly what I did. I was totally beaten as I, as I look. I finally found this pride was gone. I had been holding on to the few good things that had happened. You know, I had reunited with a mother. Um, who does that? And, and, you know, all these things of the past, one little thing here and there, because I couldn't let go and, and just surrender, have all of me, good and bad, until vision. I don't know, and I'm grateful. I now know about the set-aside prayer, but I'd never heard of it, but that is exactly what I did, and it's what I had to do. Because what I, my way was not working, rocketed into the fourth dimension, never, never, never. Uh, feeling neutral around the food, never, never, never. Uh, comfortable inside my own skin, no. Now I can say yes, 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 and so many other yeses, but it began with letting go of what Anita J. knew, and hearing what Bill W. and his 99 friends here, recovered friends, what they knew, 
and then their representatives that I hear on the phone line every single morning or any time of the day if I want to. And that wisdom has just rocketed me. And why can't the whole world have this? And guess what, folks? The people listening here, you can have it. And um, I'm not going to let go of it one day at a time. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita. Nessa R., it's your turn. And Tina S., you'll be up next. Hi, uh, this is Nessa R. Did you call on me? I was unmuting. Yes, Nessa, go ahead. Oh, thank you. So um, in this previous paragraph, uh, Fred took step one, and then we go into then they, oh, sorry, this is Nessa R. recovered in Toronto. Then they outlined the spiritual answer and, pro- and program of action, which a hundred of them had followed successfully. I, I followed many different programs um, of action, uh, uh, but not very successfully. Yeah, in some of them I was able to put down the food and even lose some weight. But success is not measured by that. Success is measured by um, the ability to keep what we get. And, of course, I was never able to keep what I got, which was only, I guess, some token weight loss, um, but nothing, nothing else. I mean, I was still me. And then when I came into the room, I found a spiritual answer, and I thought that was that. But I didn't follow it with any program of action, so I thought, okay, the spiritual answer. All I have to do, all I have to do is pray. You know, and I have been praying, you know, God, please, you know, let me eat everything I want and still be thin. And, of course, that wasn't working very well. You know, what I didn't know is that at that point, I was blocked from God, and the the program of action, you know, the the um, entirely sensible but pretty drastic program of action that was required um, to unblock me from that higher power, um, I totally disregarded. I kept praying and praying, and, and it didn't work. And, you know, um, first we have to take the action, then we pray. You know, we pray because we surrender the, uh, the results to God. I mean, that's why step 11 is prayer and meditation. It's not step two or step three. You know, first we, we do what we need to do, and then we pray, uh, which brings me to my final point, which is the lifelong conceptions that I would have to throw out the window. You know, I didn't only have to throw out the window conceptions like, God, please let me eat everything I want and still be thin, or, you know, please make me a normal eater, or anything like that. I had to throw out... Um, lifelong conceptions um, that put the blame of my condition somewhere else. Like, you know, if only my life wasn't so stressful, if only I had more money, um, you know, all those if onlys I had to put down and focus on the real cause of the problem, which was me. Me, when I have a problem, I am the problem. And it is this drastic program of action which enables me to deal with life without having to compulsively overeat. And then, and then um, I follow it up with prayer and meditation and steps 10, 11, and 12 um, every day um, in recovery. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. and Tina S. Thanks, Sally, for your service. And uh, everyone on the line, I... uh, 
that's why I continue to attend this meeting. Uh, Tina, as a compulsive reader, anorexic from Florida, and, you know, I love the way that Bill writes, uh, you know, he gives us the problem, then he gives us the solution. In the previous paragraph, it says that this process snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself. And then they outlined the spiritual answer and program of action. You know, they summarized the format, you know, for a program of action. And they didn't say anything about thinking. You know, it's about, you know, doing this deal, you know, and successfully they had a solution. Well, nobody prior had a solution for this illness. And, and today there is a solution, and I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity to participate in it. You know, I have the opportunity to participate in it. You know, and then they tell me, you know, that, the lack of power is my dilemma. It tells me that I'm page 45. It, that is my problem, lack of power. And, and that I had to find a power greater than myself, which will solve my problem. You know, and I say this to, for me all the time. It's not going to help me solve my problem. He will solve my problem. And then that's exactly what this book is about. You know, drastic. Love the word. You know, I'm so totally different today than I ever lived my life before. You know, and strong, far-reaching effect. Drastic, you know. And as soon as I made up my mind to go through the process, which for me is the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, then, you know, my condition was relieved. Wow. You know, this trying to do the deal myself. You know, I have a power greater than myself today that I continually try to form a, a better, greater relationship with one day at a time. And, and I do this through the experience of others who have a shared and have gone before me. And, you know, and I'm so grateful one day at a time, no matter what happens in my life today, no matter what happens in my life today, I don't have to participate in my disease. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tina S. And who else would like to share on this paragraph? We're not rushing through this, folks. Please feel free. This is Bella Kaiser. Bella. Carolyn S. H. Carolyn Amy H. Amy H. Monica. James. Monica. James. Anyone else? Okay. Bella. Then Carolyn. Carolyn S. H. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Sally, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, I love today the readings, and I love the shares. The spiritual answer. Yes, I remember when I, my first visit at the program, at the OA meeting, I never heard about OA. I didn't know what is the OA. I just came to a meeting, and I heard people are talking about God and God and God, and I was very upset, very disappointed, very angry, like, what are you talking about God? My problem is overweight, and please just tell me how to lose weight. That's it. Don't talk to me about God. I knew everything and all about God, but God is nothing to do with my problem with, with my overeating. I have a problem, I don't have a willpower, and I just came to get some tools how to lose weight. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I didn't leave this meeting and I continue to come without understanding in the beginning. But as I, as I, I started to understand, and as I started to do the steps and to leave the steps, I understand, and today, thank you, God, I understand. Yes, 
I have an allergy in the body, I have an obsession in the mind, and I have a blockage in my spiritual thinking. And yes, today I know that, you know, I, I cannot... I cannot be connected to my power, to my ego, because it doesn't bring me to any success. And today I choose to be connected to a higher power that I call him God. And this power, yes, God accepts me and loves me the way I am. And today, by leaving the steps, and I know I am powerless. I am powerless over food. I am powerless over my bank situation. I am powerless over my job. I, I do have one power, the power to choose. And to, today I choose to be connected to a loving power. And today I know that I am not here to give over my own message. Today I, I know that today I have to give over the message that God wants me to give. And yes, there are some things sometimes that I don't know everything. And today my power is to be connected to a loving, accepting power, the power of God. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thanks, Bella. And Carolyn S.H., you're up, and Amy, you'll be up next. Hi, thank you. Good morning, everybody. Can I be heard? Uh, you can. <clears throat> Hi, good morning. Carolyn S.H. from Massachusetts, uh, um, grateful recovering um, overeater. I, uh, am, I just wanted to pipe in because there are a few lines in here that really, um, I feel, communicate so much kind of hope and um, an understanding of the program and kind of a um, clarity of the program and just the way um, Fred says, um, but the program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. And he knew right away, the moment he heard it, it meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out of the window. Um, the fact that he like was conscious um, and I bet he knew which conceptions those were right away, like just after knowing what the steps were and what he was going to have to do. Um, I didn't have that clarity when at the beginning of the steps. Um, I was just desperate in doing them. And, um, and the fact, there's something about that that really, that really speaks to me and, and um, to me speaks to the simplicity of the program. And then how he says, the moment I made up my mind to go through the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved, as in fact it proved to be. And that I so identify with. I feel like whenever I get to the point of, um, oh, I forgot to set a timer. So I'll go for about another minute. Um, uh, whenever I get to the point of, uh, like when I got to the point of really knowing I was going to do the steps, and every morning I go through this process of if I'm turning my will over to my higher power today, I get this curious kind of warm feeling that all is well, that anything um, that is a problem today is not a problem. Um, and I'm going to just say one more thing, which is like two pages ago, he came from um, being very clear that and very sure that he could solve his own problem. And... Um, and Bill and Dr. Bob went away um, and let him, like, go off 
I'm sure that he could solve it. They didn't outline the program of action until he was, um, until he called them and said, I can't do it. So until step one was really taken, then they revealed the rest of the steps to him, um, which I find remarkable too. So that's it for me. Thank you. Thank you. Amy H., you're up. And Monica, you'll be up next. Thanks. My name is Amy H., a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. Thanks, everybody, for these great comments on this paragraph. Um, what is the drastic, pro- what is the drastic uh, program of action that he's talking about? I don't think it's a food plan. Uh, I don't even think in this instance it's telling him he can never drink again. Um, because he was convinced prior to his last spree in Washington that he couldn't drink safely and that he needed to put down alcohol. But the cunning, baffling, and powerful nature of compulsive overeating, as it is with alcoholism, is the fact that even when we want to, even when we know we should, we can't refrain from picking up that first compulsive bite. So the drastic program of action isn't uh, another diet plan or even you know, weighing and measuring without exception as it is for some people. Um, It's living our life based on spiritual principles. That's what's drastic. It's um, the idea that all of my turmoil or whenever anybody harms me, to me the most drastic thing is that statement that whenever um, I am disturbed, emotionally disturbed, if there's something wrong with me, because I have spent all of my life saying, if you guys would get your act together, then I would be okay. If you would just do what I tell you to do or do things the way I think that they need to be done, I'd be happy and I wouldn't have to compulsively overeat. Um, So the drastic program of action is this house cleaning that we need to do and to live on spiritual principles and to live selflessly for others uh, and not for ourselves. That's what's drastic, and that's what what requires a spiritual awakening. And the willingness, as we are reminded, just recently been going with the sponsee over Bill's story, page 13, willing or willingness appears three times where he's talking about um, his transformation and the steps that he took after speaking with Ebby to free himself finally of the urge to uh, drink. Um, belief in the power of God plus enough willingness, honesty, and humility to establish and maintain the new order of things were the essential requirements. Um, Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Amy and Monica. Good morning. Morning, Sally. Good morning, everyone. This is Monica T. from Florida. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. So here we are. Here we are, more about alcoholism, and this whole chapter is dealing with the mental obsession part of our disease, you know, my crazy mind. And so here's Fred. And I can just picture this every time we read this. You know, two members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see me. They grinned. I didn't like that so much. You know, why are they grinning? They're grinning because they understand. And they're asking him two questions here. Are you an alcoholic? And are you licked this time? Are you really licked this time? And the paragraph up above that, Fred has has said he finally realizes he's got an alcoholic mind. 
You know, when I came into this power, I was, I was powerless. And I knew I was powerless, but I didn't quite get what is this alcoholic mind thinking. You know, this program is such a process. And one day it really dawned on me, ding, 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 Monica, alcoholic mind. You are epical, and you are never going to be a cucumber again. What's this alcoholic mind? It's my abnormal thinking when it comes to this area that tells me a lie every single time that it's okay to pick something up, and I believe it. And the other part of it is that I don't remember the consequences, or I don't remember the promises that I made just a little while ago. And I am, and nothing I did or tried to do worked against us. Not all my self-willpower, my knowledge, absolutely nothing. And that was the light bulb moment. It didn't. Nothing. I was totally screwed, totally powerless against this obsession of the mind. So they're asking him that. And he, and he says, I had to concede both propositions. Yep. Damn it. I am a real compulsive overeater. And I am a pickle. And I have this alcoholic mind. And so they go on and they talk to him about this hopeless condition, you know. All the things they tried to do, all the things I tried to do to control my weight, control my eating. But you know what? I didn't, I just didn't know. I had absolutely no control about it. And so that, they just gave him more knowledge, you know. Yep, yep, yep. I can identify with all that. I can't do it myself. I am powerless. So then they tell him, they outline the spiritual answer and the program of action. So here they're saying, they're bringing in the fact that, you know, we need a power that's greater than us. I have this alcoholic mind. I absolutely can't do anything against it, and it's going to get me, and I need a power that is greater than that. And the steps, which a hundred of them had followed successfully. Woohoo! And then the last thing I want to say the, and when he took step three, and what was his step three? The moment I made up my mind to go through with the process. It wasn't understanding God, trying to figure all this stuff. It was, okay, I'm going to do the work. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. And James, you're up. Good morning, everybody on the line. <clears throat> this is James C. from Ohio. Um, they outlined a spiritual answer in a program of action which a hundred of them followed successfully, it meant that I would throw out li- lifelong conceptions out of the window. And I just want to talk about, <clears throat> you know, just what this program of action and what this representation of, the, of what it is modeled in front of us, even on these calls, that we're, we're receiving the, the testimony, the testament of truth, from a, a reliable source of what I call experience and what we hear and what the spirit has to say. And I, you know, I, I, I can't say enough that what, you know, for me, throwing out uh, lifelong conceptions or, or conceptions that I've been stuck in that have kept me um, either stupid or have pulled the wool over my own eyes. I used to blame everyone else for pulling the wool over my eyes. I used to blame the system, um, you know, the prejudice, the, the ill treatment, the misunderstandings. I used to blame everybody else for that. And, you know, it's, it's an amazing transformation what these steps allow for you to do and what you allow for you to come out of. But the ill thinking, I used to think that I used to have to like the truth in order for it to be true. 
And I had to abandon that through this process because I realized my own assessment of truth, independent of God in my life, is altogether stripped out naked, altogether lonely, altogether without fellowship. And you see, you know, that comes with a self, actually comes with a high level of pride. Um, you know, I thought I was, ex- I, was ex- I was exclusive, special, and different, while at the same time in my secret places, you know, I'd binge like crazy, you know, all through the evenings, and Friday night seems to be the toughest nights, and um, Saturday, you name it, and then find any reasons and excuses to do it in front of people on Sunday, you know, while I was in my religious suits. But the reality of it is, I've come to learn that I don't have to like the truth in order for it to be true. I just have to accept the truth, accept what I'm hearing, accept and try this simple program, which I, you know, and those of you that know me understand, I'm sitting out here a year listening to you folks saying, and I don't think so, because this is stuff that I used to teach against. This is stuff that I used to proclaim against, that you didn't need it. You don't need a process. You don't need this stuff. And sure enough, it's proven for me that this this very thing that I once rejected, once kicked out the door, has now become a process by which I now am an advocate of. And I thank God that, um, you know, we we can now hear the voice of recovery, rescue, life, and others um, based on that truth that we have. And I have such an appreciation for the program, for those that have the testament and testimony of what it takes to be recovered and to and to consistently be here on these calls and sharing their, their life, hope, and experience. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, James. So, hey, we've got time for two more shares. Are there two people out there with a burn? Melissa C. Melissa C. One more. Susan in Florida. Susan in Florida. Okay. Take it away, Melissa. Hi. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I was thinking about listening this morning about drastic and how, um, you know, the word drastic when I was always looking for the the weight solution, um, I loved drastic things. You know, drastic, the crazier the diet, you know, that that was my head then, the, the more it must be true. And, you know, and so drastic was like thinking that I could eat cabbage soup diet, you know, that, and that was going to, you know, solve my problem. And and even contemplating um, bariatric surgery, you know, how drastic was that? And yet this was far more drastic, you know, this program of recovery um, really admitting that um, I don't know and and I don't have the answers and the world does not revolve around me. That's been like the big awakening for me. How drastic was that? That I'm I'm not the center of the universe. And that's really what the steps have been about for me. Um, and so, you know, as I continue to do the work, um, you know, I'm so grateful for desperation all the time because that allowed me to say, yeah, I need something drastic. And I... You know, like Fred here, you know, once I kind of made up my mind that I was going to give myself over completely to the process, that I was licked, um, you know, my life has become immeasurably better. And the obsession, you know, has really been lifted. And, um, you know, and so I think about, um, 
this drastic and how even, you know, even today, um, it means that I have to be um, okay with being uncomfortable. That for me has been drastic because I always kind of thought that I need to be comfortable all the time. I need to be at ease all the time. And the nature of being an addict means that sometimes I'm not going to be comfortable. And, um, and that is drastic to know that I will survive discomfort um, and that, you know, God is at the home here and not me. And thank you with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. And Susan, it's your turn. Thank you. This is Susan, recovering, cause recovered compulsive ovarium in Florida. Um, thank you, Melissa. I tried those drastic measures, including the bariatric surgery. I wanted the easiest soft away. I was tired. I was so tired after 30 year, 39 years of sitting in the rooms and not getting it. And the bariatric surgery may work for some. I don't think it worked for me. It just makes me fall faster. But I still could go back to my drug of choice, the sweets, the carbs, the not weighing and measuring. I could still do all those things. My thinking had to be changed. And my sponsor reminds me that those old blocks, those old tapes in the file cabinet have to be removed because I grew up with a punishing God. God, you know, my parents would say, see, God made you do that, you know, if I, if I fell down or whatever, you know, or it was always, there was never anything positive about God. So I had to change that. And the minute I changed that thinking and I have a conscious contact with God every day, now all new possibilities have opened up for me. My life is manageable. My food is right on target for the last few weeks. I am doing more service than I've ever done before. I'm clear-headed. And for this, I am so grateful. God has done for me exactly what I could not do for myself. And those drastic measures don't work if I'm not going to take the action to change what I did before. Thank you. I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you to all who have shared this morning. I would like to invite you to please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I'll ask Devorah S. to please read a vision for you, beginning with our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, good morning. Thank you. This is Devorah S. in New Jersey, Recovered. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to, the, see to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.